Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Doze Knows. I hope you've had a great week slash weekend, whatever it is, wherever you're at. It is Sunday here. We pre-record these shows so that you guys can get them out on like Monday or Tuesday. But no, it's Sunday. It's football Sunday, NFL Sunday. And I'm really, really excited because my Oakland Raiders kicked some serious ass over the Baltimore Ravens. And we are now 3-1. and one. My good friend Jeff Call over in Maui. We call him Jeffro. He runs Piper Sport Fishing over in Maui. Yeah, I just gave you a free plug, buddy. But uh, he is a huge Ravens fan. And today we were going back and forth, texting and calling each other until, of course, the Raiders smashed him. And uh, now he will not reply to me, will not return my phone calls. I thank you all for tuning in to each and every episode and giving me your feedback. And, um, you know, you want to keep it going? Well, give me some more, man. Hit me up on my website at www.dozenose.com. That way you guys can go in there and see little bios on each one of the guests, what they're about, where they're from pictures on them and also links to their own websites um you can hit me up on instagram at dozer dave uh dozer dave barnett on facebook and dozer dave knows on twitter um yes thank you again everyone for tuning in um thanks my sponsors to kona boys hurley kona coffee and tea gopro maverick sport fishing deuce gym and original nutritionals and jeff we'll give you another one right here Piper Sport Fishing over in Maui, <laughs> just to make you feel a little bit better, and Oakley. Um, this week, we have a special guest. He is a native Brooklyn guy who's now moved to the West Coast. He went East Coast, West Coast. He's a former rapper. He is uh, He's become one of the major forces in hip-hop. He's the CEO of Iceman Entertainment. He's executive-produced. Um, so many different hip-hop albums from Old Dirty Bastard to Onyx, Trailer and Sticky Fingers. It seems like his fingers are super sticky and he's got them everywhere anyway. And he's done some acting and just all kinds of cool stuff. And he's over here on the Big Island chilling out with yours truly. And we got to sit down and talk about what's it like to be a music producer and who he's worked with and, and so on and so forth. So um, let's give a big warm round of applause and a big welcome to Omar Iceman Sharif. Omar, Iceman, Sharif, welcome to Doze Nose. How are you, brother? Brother, what's going on, man? Dude, I'm so stoked we're sitting at your little holly here, right on the beach. It's a beautiful pool right on the ocean in Waikoloa. You're on the big island, bro. You're in Hawaii. Yeah, man. I can't believe I finally got here. You know, my son, his mother, my love, she's been having a property out here with her family for years, and um. Her and my son has been fortunate to come out here and have a great time, and um, I've been fortunately to been invited this time and had time out from work and um, come out here and clear my head. And well, you've got a pretty busy schedule too, from what I hear. You know, 
I mean, I mean, man, uh, as this year kicked off, I already um, been a part of three films and about eight albums and uh, about a hundred song placements just from this year. Yeah. And uh, right now we're entering the end of the third quarter, early into the fourth quarter, business-wise. Now, I just randomly met you last week. And it was kind of pretty cool how I met you. Right. Um, I was picking up Jackie Hunter and my last podcast, right. uh, Craig Monk, right. at the airport. Right. And uh, you just happen to be standing there. You're looking super cool, dude. Oh, man. You're all blinged out. Yeah, man. I was excited to bring my energy to the island, you know. And um, and you were the first guy I met, and which was great because I believe in energy. I believe in God. Heavy, heavy, yeah. and you know, and God puts us on these paths, you mm -hmm. know, and you meet people on these paths, and you know, you just go with the flow. And I'm a good judge of character. And when I met you, and the first thing you said, "What's up? What's up, brother? You good? You need anything?" And uh, right away, I was like, "You know what? This is my guy. This guy's cool, man." Yeah, yeah I get that a lot. You yeah, know, not to toot my own horn, but hey, hey, <laughs> hey. boop, beep, beep, beep. I can't even do it. Right, I got to get some sound effects, man. Don't worry. Next, <laughs> next I one, I'm too. coming with all the sound effects. I'm coming with the claps. I'm coming with the the, the gunshots. Everything, man. We're turning up the whole shebang. Well, let's leave. Make sure they're fake gunshots, okay? Because I don't need any real ones over here. Oh but, no! Oh no! Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I know oh, you no. come from Brooklyn. Oh yeah, man. I've come from New York City where it's just like shots everywhere, man. You know what I mean? I've never had to experience anything like that. I've never even been to New York. Man. I have so many friends that live there mm -hmm. and I've never been there. And they're like, dude, get over here. You're we're gonna show you the town. It's the best ever. All my friends have made. been shot once once before. No way. Yeah. Wow. Definitely. My, I you know I I, I, I'll go into some deep uh, Next podcast We'll get into some Deeper stuff Right now I don't want to scare The audience And anything uh, Misconstrued anything And they just think Have you I'm been okay. shot? Yeah, yeah I've been shot Yeah so, you know. I gotta see that scar later Yeah I got you brother You said turn the phone on So I, I Yeah I'm, 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 I've been shot before But you know I'm a, I'm a fighter, so, yeah. you know, you just can't just shoot me out. You know, I'm going to get you back. I've been attacked by boars. That's about the closest. Oh, yeah. I see what you do to boars. Yeah, I fuck them up, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Attack gonna, me. I'm going to Are we going to get some activists on, on this podcast? I mean, like. There probably yeah. will be, you know, but I really don't give a shit. You're brutal, bro. I'm totally brutal. You know, there's brutal. so many activists out there that that I'll make a post about me shooting an animal that's going to feed my family and feed my friends. Right. And they'll give you so much shit about it. You Why, do, why don't you just go to the store and get your meat? Right. Dude, are you kidding me? Right. I wouldn't touch that meat in a store for a million bucks. Right. You don't know where it comes from. And you, you know what? You don't know the hormones it's I, been fed. I, I wouldn't even personally judge you. One reason is this. Um, uh, at the end of the day, we all have to hunt for our food, technically. Right. Right. Now we're having it, you know, we have the animals on the farm, and we grow them, and we kill them, and we eat them, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, you have to really hunt them, you know. People just don't want to yeah. see it right. happening. Somebody got to be in the butcher shop. Yeah. Somebody got to be at the morgue. Yeah. Somebody got to be do the autopsies, right? Right. Somebody got to give you that New York steak that you want. Exactly. But the way it comes out, 
originally, you ain't gonna like it. You ain't gonna like it. At least the way I do it, it's super humane. Right. You know, and uh, I know that oh, this hold on, hold on. food. Let's back up. Let's back up. Hold on. You slipped that one right in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It's super humane. So the just way explain I what super humane is, because I'm curious. What I, you know, a lot of these places that you're getting your meat from in the store, you know, they raise these animals in tiny, tiny little areas. They'll get 500 cattle or sheep or a thousand chickens all in the super tightest area. These animals can't move. They pump them with hormones. Mm -hmm. Is that humane? Neither one of those two are. And then when it comes to time to kill these things, dude, it's gnarly. It is freaking gnarly. Gnarly. If you've watched any of these videos that are on the... You're laughing at my gnarly. I love that. I love that. (laughs) The surfer guy, man. He's like gnarly. And I am the dude. I'm I'm that brother from Brooklyn. (laughs) It's going to work. It's going to work. So all the podcasts out there, look out. We're not fucking playing. We're not playing. Exactly. So back to your story, brother. Back to my story. So all of these animals are being raised in these gnarly, gnarly conditions. They're Mm -hmm. being fed gnarly stuff to fatten them up. Right. Hey, you want that turkey for Thanksgiving? Well, right. guess what? We just grew that thing right. Right. only in July. Right. It was hatched but in July. We're it, pumping I'm it with it, hormones. I'm going to take it even a step further. After they do the hormone thing and they kill them, right? right? I've seen some even more crazier. The internet's crazy, so yeah. you see it all, right? So now, so now they have the, the chicken after they um, made it into the, you know, the little chicken that you put actually inside the right. uh, oven with the little wings like this and everything? It's already cut up and everything. I mean, not cut up, but just to get, just to gather a little thing. Now he's had this thing. I've seen him just put this air machine and just go oh, blow yeah. it up. Oh, yeah. I was like, Dude, what that's the, was shit. that air? Oh, was that other stuff? Like, the, it, made, it was a little chicken like this and it just actually put a machine in and it goes, and it just blows it from here to about this size. Right. Like, no, about this size to about this size. That's crazy. And that what body is, can't even handle that. It's dead, though. It's already like just, this is before you eat it. They just throw oh, some other shit oh, in there real quick. I haven't seen It's that. not GMO. Yeah, just look at it. I'm a, you know what, brother? I'm going to start bringing some stuff. Now that I like this podcast stuff, so I'm going to bring you some <laughs> stuff. and I want to know. I'm going to start shooting some visuals to this because, you know, our visual is going to really long, well, I, as sell As long big. as I think we leave the pictures of the dead animals out of it, People will be happy. But really, I don't give a fuck. It, dude, I dude. want people to see what they're freaking eating out of these freaking stores. Then they're going to leave us alone over here. I have news for you, brother. They're not going to like what you're, what, you're, what, you're, what you're hitting with your bow and arrow, I think, either, bro. Well, I can't believe these vegans are so pissed off because these deer are eating their food. <laughs> what the hell? He said, "Why that? is the vegans getting mad at you?" You're right. When the I'm deer's just, eating their food. When the deer's eating their food, oh. I'm just trying to get rid of that deer so it, it doesn't eat their food. Dude, I love it. You are a conspiracy <laughs> theorist to the end. Let's let's give it up for the vegans. Oh uh, yeah, big the job to the vegans. vegans, vegans, vegans. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So tell me, uh, let's get off this situation. Oh yeah, please. But even though that video that I posted the other day was pretty badass, huh? Hey man, I'm trying. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to get sponsors, bro. Yeah. Yeah, we can't show that. I don't even want to give nobody no information on that right now. Hey, uh, hey when they taste that meat, when I prepare it okay, for your sponsors, okay, that's how you get into that. Get oh, into yeah. that. Get into that. They are just gonna. Flip, they're gonna love it. Are you gonna make it's it really so Hawaiian? With so, you know, absolutely. have some. You're gonna have the uh, the the pick inside the pig. It is roasting over the what you call we it. We can definitely do that. We also got to think of a lot. literally pork on the side, though. Let's all clap for that real quick. 
We don't eat pork on this side. Just for that. But my guy, he eats pork. I do. It's I all right. Hey. I, I'm going to let you That's clap. That's perfect. On that one. I'm not going to clap. We're total opposites, but we're good, like almost best friends. But it's it's good because you know a lot of people over here they eat a lot of pork. You look right. at the wines, right. and they've got gout. Really, really bad. Right. And that's because they've ate so much pork, and it's predominantly the fat. Gout. It's gout. Gout is like, like you get it in your knee. It's like one of the most painful things ever. I don't have it, so I really don't right. know. Dude, I totally understand where you're coming from. Pork. Listen, listen guys, you can't eat pork, all right? I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> pork comes from a Are cat. You Are you ready? No, no, I'm not, nothing. <laughs> let's not even get into none of that. Pork comes from cat, rat, and dog. That's what a that's what a pig is. A cat, pig is rack, a cat, cat rat, a rat, and dog, and a dog. If you just just Google it, do your research on it. That is what they needed to clean up the caves in North America. Is it to create it? They created in North Europe, Northern Europe uh-huh. at the time. There was cave during the caveman days. Okay. Um, caveman, you know, he had his dog, and um, he had his doggy, and um, <laughs> his German Shepherd, whatever it was back what do you then. Spark. Hey, Spartus or whatever. Um, but up in the, in, the, in, the, in the Caucasus Mountains, they had a, um, there was a lot of stuff up there. I came from the Caucasus Mountains. Hey, they needed to yeah. clean up up there, brother. They had some mansions up there they needed to clean up in the caves. And um, the dogs wouldn't do it. The cats wouldn't do it. So a smart guy up there made a laboratory and he created a, a pig by fusing the genes of the cat, rat, and dog. The Albert Einstein of, of caveman. Cats, right? dogs, they're, they're, they're actually smart pigs. That's one thing. They're they got, smarter. They're they one got of the, the mind, smartest they got the mind on the of, They got the mind of a cat. Yep. They have the body of a dog and they have the 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 the, the, the the what you call the appetite of a, a rat. Okay. So you got the the smart of a cat, the body of a dog. Okay. Well, it's obvious. And, uh, I need to take you out here hunting so you can yeah. see what these pigs look like because hey, they I'll, don't look like a dog. I run down. No, no, no. I'm not going to say it on a pod. I'm not going to say it on a podcast. But what I'll do is that, Dave, I'll come out with you and watch that because I got I got I got experience. I got experience. experience everything. Yeah. But I'm not going to eat anything. That's fine. That's fine. And as I'll long as you some eat it, deer and some sheep. Deer and sheep. Okay, hold on. Let's let's let's, let's think about that. Now the sheep. Um, bah. Delicious, and it's not like that stuff that you get in the store that has that gamey, weird smell taste to it. You know. Let me tell you about this that. This is good. Okay. This is delicious. There's, there's a there's a place in Los Angeles in Beverly Hills mm-hmm. that prepared the best lamb chops I've ever had. Okay. Now lamb is obviously not a sheep, but it's the baby baby, it's a baby cow sheep. It's a sheep. So lamb is a sheep. So I'm in a, I'm in a sheep family already eating lamb. Yes. Let's clap for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So we crossed over there. Now I thought I was cool because I, I I had I had some good lamb. Mm-hmm. Medium well was like melted in my oh, mouth. Yeah. It was off the hook. You know what I'm talking about. And then I was so hooked on it. I ordered it at another restaurant. And it was horrible. And it had this smell and this taste in it, and I just felt like I was eating rat, cat, and dog. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) And you were probably eating a pig, obviously, right? No, I was eating lamb that wasn't prepared like I was was eating lamb that wasn't prepared like one of these million-dollar restaurants. Well, this sheep that we have over here, we have two different varieties. We have a mouflon sheep and the black Hawaiian feral sheep. Okay. They are just so delicious. But the prize meat... 
in the Hawaiian Islands is actually the Axis deer. It right. is known for being the sweetest, most flavorful deer on the planet. Right. And look at what they eat. You know, their diet consists of, you know, lilacoys and mangoes and guavas, pineapples. Right. Um, just everything that we have out here, avocados, man. They just grind these things. I've cut their bellies open, and they're just like five-gallon bucket of guavas in there, you know? Just right. sweetening up that meat, fermenting inside, and then we get to bring it to our grill and just do a nice little light sear on the outside. So you sound like oh, you really enjoy food. I'm so. hungry right now. Yeah, we're going to... Look at uh, my stomach. Yeah, listen, man. <laughs> I want to come to one of your cookouts. Please. Please. We're having and, one on Saturday. Yeah, but Saturday... Uh, I won't be back, but I'll be back two Saturdays from now. All right. When we do part two of this podcast. I'll be in L.A. at that time. So oh, you're so going to have to wait till mid-November no, because no, I go gonna, to L.A. And we're gonna then do I go the, to Fiji. I'm going to be in L.A. I'm going to meet you in L.A. Okay. And we're going to work in L.A. Sounds good. We got shit to do. We got shit to do, brother. Okay, cool. Well, let's let's go back a little bit in time. Okay, okay? let's go. You're originally from Brooklyn. I Okay. I, let me I'll explain my New York City experience to you. Okay. Can you hear me? Yeah. Cool. I'm an all-around New York City kid, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, my mother was a young mother. She had me and my brother when she's 20. Single mother. We was born in Harlem. So when I was born, she brought me back to Harlem on the east side, 103rd, 2nd Street, Washington houses, housing projects. Mm -hmm. So my, my beginnings came from the housing projects, but you never knew when you was a kid. You was just like, this is sure. home, I love it. Love mom, yeah. love grandma and everything. Uh, from there, we moved to the Bronx, which was an incredible experience because my mom moved me to Walton Avenue, which was two blocks from Yankee Stadium. Oh. So I got to uh, grow up Reggie Jackson, uh -huh. uh, Chris Chamblins, Greg Nettles, Bucky Dent, um, Mickey Rivers, uh you know the these whole guys, Yankee teams, the whole Yankee, right? the original squad, Seeing the posters of Babe Ruth, and, all of that. Yeah. You know the old Yankee Stadium. Yeah. And then they took down the they took down the old Yankee Stadium and rebuilt the new Yankee Stadium. So, I was living on Walton Avenue. I went to Catholic school, first and second grade, Immaculate Conception, where I went to Catholic school because uh, that was the only school you can go. That you know that was worth going to at the time in the middle of the South Bronx you know so my mom worked at um, a hospital um, she worked at um, uh, what's the name of the hospital in the Bronx um, I've never been to New York City so well, I don't a, know yeah she worked in a hospital and she worked as a cashier and I said as a young br b kid six you know six years old I had a lot of responsibilities I had to drop my, my brother off mm -hmm. at a daycare and tell them that my mom was outside and you know jump in the uh like a, she had to go to school uh lincoln hospital across the street right. lincoln hospital it was called so she went to lincoln hospital i had to walk to my school do this repeatedly every day prepare prepare basically dinner for him even when i got home from school oh, yeah. no one could know that we could be home by ourselves but we was i was responsible enough to at least take care of him and my mom had to work undeniably and then she had, you know, at the time she was getting food stamps. Mm -hmm. So they, um, 
you know, those are the days they used to come by your house and see if you had a man in the house and sure. see if you make, had... Make sure everybody was on that list. <laughs> right. They're supposed to be on that list. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, you uh, couldn't have new appliances. You couldn't have things that you needed and wanted. You had to hide them or have your neighbors hold on to your leather coat or your your, your, right. your television set because welfare was coming. And I remember those days as a young kid five six seven years old so and then my mom hustled up the tuition to pay the nurses the, the nuns and the priests over at Immaculate Conception so I could go to school mm-hmm. so that was my first white people I seen was oh. the nuns and the Catholic priests and the Yankees really there and, was oh, like yeah, no and, white people in your and, neighborhood and the Bronx no the, the only white people we seen was at the Yankee game uh the people that drove past in the prison buses that was taking because we lived down on the, off the concourse which is courthouse uh-huh. so you see the prison bus coming down Walton Avenue to take them to the men's correctional facility that was down the block from Yankee Stadium the Bronx house mm-hmm. so you see the white guy driving the car what, what would it have been like you know because I grew up here in a place that um, you know we're all the same of course you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you're white, you're black, you're Chinese, Japanese. I see that. Dirty knees, look at these. I you see know? that. Um, we're all the same here. That's cool. And so, you know, growing, for you, growing up, I can't even comprehend um, well, let me give you, let me being, give you. being something like that. And so what, what, what would it have been like mm-hmm. for me, being a white guy, well, especially me, with his long blonde hair, walking down the street in your neighborhood. Well, let me give you a perfect example. Well, they got a lot of footage these days. Um, well, I got beat up. No. I mean, you know, there was some tough white guys out there. You right. know, you got to know a lot of the New York was a lot of white neighborhoods before they were black neighborhoods. The Bronx, the Bronx was like, you know, Italians and Jews. Uh, uh, Harlem is a Jewish word. You know, the Jews had Harlem before. Uh, the blacks ever had Harlem, mm-hmm. you know, when they was done with Harlem, that's when they allowed the blacks to move in. So it was in like, you know, there's always been white people in New York City. They right. was, you know, so the black community's always been but the smallest community. But in your neighborhood, there wasn't a white guy What that happened was there. Yankee Stadium was in the South Bronx. Gotcha. So that's why white people had to come to the South Bronx was Yankee Stadium. Ah. And then um, the drug trade was so heavy. The, cat, the kids from New Jersey would come over on tri, the Triborough Bridge, the, the Washington Bridge, right. to cop drugs. Right. And then you had the dirty precincts in the Bronx at the time. So it was just, that's the only time you, you kind of like saw white people when I was a kid, you know, right. at those times. So yeah. then my mother, she was, um, she was a, she, uh, she became a cop. Uh-huh. So when she, be- my mom became a cop, she, uh, she was like, all right, let me get my sons out of this neighborhood. You know, she bought a house, her first house in uh, Long Island. And in, and in Long Island, we was the only black family on the block. <laughs> <laughs> it's like completely reversed. I was pissed off because, first of all, it wasn't that way I was at. I miss the Yankees. I miss Yankee Stadium. I miss the smell of the city. You know, I was a little kid at the end. When yeah. I didn't know it was good for me at the time. So my mom... Uh, we, um, what we, was it like then? Were were you? Accepted? It was Re- Reaganomics, baby. Or was it racist? Were they it, like? It was. It was. You know, it was crazy. I it, can't even comprehend. I'm, I'm, like, I'm gonna give you. you know, no, I see no, this I, shit on the news, no, and I'm just I'm like, about, yeah, we gonna, what the hell is we're this gonna shit? start from like you know you're gonna talk about like you know back then it was Reaganomics for blacks. You know, Reagan uh-huh. came to the Bronx, 
and he looked at the Bronx and he was like, I ain't coming back here. So <laughs> look, look at the old footage. Reagan was, he, you know, he basically got ran out of the Bronx right. when he was campaigning. And he was like, listen to you motherfuckers. Y'all don't listen to me. And that's, and he, he ran off like a cowboy and all that in his, in his limo Which and everything. He was. Which he was. Hey, yeah. but he never been to the South Bronx. And it was just like, we ain't trying to hear that. He was basically Donald Trump, but Donald Trump trying to make some efforts, you know, he's a capitalist. Reagan was just, uh, you know, Western cowboy type. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? I thought to me, and um, you know, my mother. Luckily, she snuck in and became a police officer. So you know, while a lot of others, you know, black families suffered during Reagan Reaganomics, my mother was smart enough as a young woman and a young mother to 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 take some of the strain off of us as a family mm -hmm. by becoming a cop you know right. because you know when Reaganomics was going on the cops was doing pretty good you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> you know and um, and the war on drugs unfortunately I became a drug dealer in the streets mm -hmm. and that was my thing um, unfortunately you Did know your mom know Chief caught me and you know it was a big bad thing and um, we'll get into that but during the 80s um, in the late 70s you know they created the crack cocaine epidemic I remember that right around the Reaganomic time and it was funny around the time when Reagan got into office then crack came you know and then when the crack came it was an it was an open season to lock up black men and put them in jail while people suffered from the addiction mm -hmm. and the horrific effect it had on our community. But as young, young black males, they were able to escape economic um, harshes by just able to participate in the sales of crack cocaine. Mm -hmm. You know, if you know the story of Jay-Z and people like Irv Gotti and Jay-Z and... Um, you know, the majority of these, you know, big baby Williams from Cash Money, all these young black entrepreneurs that are doing well now mm -hmm. were the guys who were able to experience that economic freedom and learn that economic trade and was able to escape jail or being murdered and was able to apply that hustle and that know-how to corporate America mm -hmm. and be successful, and now they're both worth, they're both billionaires. Billionaires, dude. Yeah, so, you know, that's what we do. Let's shout that out for Jay-Z. Yeah, Jay boy, I'll give that one out there. There we go. Yeah, anyway, but, um, so basically, everybody in our community has a blueprint. Mm -hmm. You want to be successful? You know, luckily I came up, and uh, so, 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 so my mother, she moves me to Long Island. Mm -hmm. I'm around white people. And I'm the only black guy. Now I become cool. I'm doing a, you know, hip hop starts to take off a little bit, starts to take off in New York City, but I'm over here. My cousin's in New York City and everything, so I'm going back and forth. I'm knowing what's up. I'm hip. I'm cool. You know, you know, I'm dating white girls and everything. Everything is cool. Then I got called a nigger. Mm. Whoa. And that's always, that's. I ran like in the, it's a, I it's went in the house. I'm, no, no, but luckily, you see, my mom's. And my dad, you know, they were different, you know. They was part of, like, the movement, you know. When we was kids, before I was born, it was part of the, you know, the civil rights movement. Sure. And they were fighters. So they never, they instilled in me and my brother that we were kings. 
you right, know right and right. descendants of gods and stuff and things like that so they said we would hear certain words and we would hear these things and it, it's supposed to bounce off your armor like superman right and believe it or not it did because we had something called knowledge of ourselves mm -hmm. so you couldn't really just say anything to us so that worked mm -hmm. when it could have not worked it could have it could have went south because you know if you're a kid and you don't have these tools it can hurt you you know mm -hmm. it creates self-esteem issues and all of that stuff now um the rap scene started to take off a little bit because it, now hip hop was coming from the streets into the clubs and now becoming a little more a little more commercial a little more commercial hip hop at the time i was about 8 years old so my mom who were the who were the bands that you were listening the to the bands back then was the cold crush brothers the crash crew and a, and, a, and a, one of the biggest rappers that took me under his wing because he knew my cousin um, was Biz Marquis. And uh, at 11 years old and 10 years old, I got a chance to hang out and see these things and go see these first hip-hop shows in Long Island. Uh, these, these, uh, these, um, these guys called Mike and Dave, they were uh, the first promoters back then. Mm -hmm. And these first promoters, they um, promoted the first hip-hop shows and um everybody came out and then you would see the crash crew and the cold crush brothers and melly mel grandmaster flash and melly mel biz Marquis battles dougie fresh for the beatbox contest and the winner right. gets winner gets a hundred dollars and so you, know, you were back when it was east versus west and they were just battling oh east and west came later that was yeah. that came unfortunately uh in the 90s um, I'm talking about 1980. Right. One, two, three, four, five, six. And then Eric B. and Rock Kim came. Early when, Run DMC. Oh, yeah, and then Run DMC came, and then I was sold. LL Cool J in a movie called Cold Crush I went to go see. Right. Um, the thing about living in Long Island is that the white kids had um, businesses. Mm -hmm. They cut lawns. You know, they... Um, they cut lawns, they um, had paper routes and all of that, and they had cooler bikes and they had stuff. And I saw my mother struggle, so I said, you know what, I could get my stuff just like they get theirs. So I became an entrepreneur. This is pre-drug trade, this is when I was a kid, so I became a businessman first, had my first business at 11, doing landscaping. There was no foreigners doing landscaping back then you did it and you made we made ten dollars a lawn and i would make two and three hundred dollars a week at 12 years old and my mom would take half my money but um i was able to buy my own stuff and be cool so every time the rap events came i had my cool clothes and stuff and had gold chains and stuff and i was doing my thing my mother got tired of driving back and forth from long island to new york city as a police officer so she moved us to queens right in the middle of the crack era right in the middle of um the the golden years of hip-hop was starting to be born with the people from queens new york right. which was run dmc ll cool j um i thought i i always thought ll was from uh la no ll cool j is from farmers boulevard in st albans queens now ll used to always do battle with um, somebody else then. Cool Modi. Cool Modi. Yes. I remember one song, and it was, uh, 
Mama said, knock you out? Yes. Yeah. Yes. You won a Grammy for that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. It was good stuff back in the day. Great stuff. I mean, you were I was there. I was there. I was there. I was there. When uh, when the when the when the young guys of our age was we were in high school preparing to take over the the rap game mm-hmm. in the early nineties from the guys from the eighties. So we got to hang out and see the guys in the eighties as they taught us and gave us the baton, the Murder Inks. So, you know, I, I grew up in Queens around Ja Rule and mm-hmm. the Murder Inc. guys, uh, Irv Gotti. I went to. They went to Bayside High School. I lived in Bayside, but I went to Cardoza High School. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, I didn't. You can you couldn't have your own business in Queens unless you had a pizzeria or something. So I was like, really? you know, it was different than Long Island where you could be a young guy, you know, cutting lawns and stuff. Now you're living in apartments and condominiums, kind of you know places. So they got maintenance doing that already. So I wasn't trying to be a maintenance guy. So, um, and the Italians pretty much owned all the pizza places. Hey, and I was like, well, and I always seen a guy, Gino, pulling out a fat knot of money. <laughs> so, hey, what you looking at my pocket for, huh? Exactly. Uh, it's probably the worst Italian accent ever, but you know, <laughs> I had was, to give it a try. I, I, I knew guys that sound <laughs> just like that. So, make a long story short, um, my my man Spanish Jose, God bless the dead. He's dead now. God bless the dead. Super gangster. We when I moved to Queens, he um, me and him was little kids and shit. I was like uh, twelve. He was thirteen. I was going to thir- I was going into eighth grade. You know, to my, you know, starting to be a young teen. And um, and we used to just rob kids. You know, um, he was like into punching them and we would take their chain and shit. And that was what they was doing in Queens. And I was like, oh, that's all you have to do is punch them and stuff. And I was hanging out with the toughest guy, so all I had to do was be the lookout. He just beat up guys and robbed them and stuff, right? And then um, I wasn't into robbing guys because um, the guy, one, one time we robbed this guy and his parents came there and put a gun on us and it was oh, just horrible. Shit. And we was good kids. We, I didn't want to yeah. rob guys. He went to rob them. He was, Jose was worse than I was. But um, anytime I had a problem growing up, he was my guy. But mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? I can't do that. So my cousins, they were selling crack in the Bronx. That's good pineapple, huh? Good pineapple. <laughs> your your girl brought us the meanest Mai Tais. Went in Rome, right? Went in Rome. <laughs> so, so everybody's selling crack and getting rich. If you don't use crack, you're getting rich off crack. Okay. So we don't use drugs. So, well, I mean, did, fast did forward. You, did by you 16, ever do I'm it? making like crack hell no. Yeah. The whole the good thing about crack back then was. The only people that was doing it was people that were doing coke in the 70s. Right. So I was a kid. So I only seen the guys that was fly getting money. And how was they getting money? From these little white rocks. Right. You know, Because there was either there was only two sides to that story right That's there. it. You're either selling it. Or using it. Or using it. And you're using it. Using it one time, you're gone. You're freaking sucking a dick <laughs> for a rock. <laughs> that's you it. know. And that's what we knew coming up. Can't get high on your own supply. So right. I started selling it. Um, didn't want to ever use it, which was cool. And I started making 500 a day, 900 a day, a G a day, old snap, two Gs a day. Wow. I'm in. I need to start selling drugs. Uh-huh. <laughs> then my mom caught me, and it was one of the worst days of my life because me and her split up. You know, she was like, you're going on your own, nigga. 
threw my she threw my shit down the toilet but she didn't know how sophisticated I actually was she thought I worked for somebody you know right. she thought this and that she was like you're gonna kill you this and that but I was going uptown and I was getting rearing up seeing Poppy myself spending my own money flipping it flipping it coming back all of that so God came in to intervene I wind up getting shot mm. you know so when I got shot it was something minor but it was a serious incident that could have took my Dude, life. There's nothing minor about getting shot. Yeah, tell it to some people who got <laughs> shot in the head. Yeah, you just happen to get shot in the head. What in happened? A better was, part. Yeah, I got shot right here. Came out right here. A guy came up. I grabbed the pistol. We started fighting. I saw him try to get the drop, but he wasn't. He didn't know he. He didn't know he wanted to get me because he was too close to me. You right. know what I mean? If you want to rob somebody, you got to back up a little bit right. and let him see the gun. He put the gun on me, and instinctively, I could have got shot worse, but I grabbed it and got yeah. shot in the hand. And it was more not as serious as it was, but um, it just made me reflect on what I'm doing in the streets and what I want to do. Cause you know, before the, okay. I, I was speeding, but I, I got my first record deal before I even started to sell drugs. Mm -hmm. And the only reason why I started to sell drugs is because I needed to spend money on a lawyer to negotiate my contract. They said this guy asked for a thousand dollars, and I was just like a thousand dollars back then. That was like ten thousand, right? You know, and I just spent my money that I had inherited. I, had, I got some money, bought a car and everything, so I bought my car, and and then my mother um struggling. She's a cop, you know, her first 10 years is like, you know, the parole, you know, not a, um, a, a beat walker and, right. you know, and then she got into like anti-crime and undercover shit and, you know, I was totally a dick for, you know, selling drugs while I lived with her and, but I was, to show you how young we was, we really realized the seriousness, it was serious if we got caught, but we wasn't thinking about how serious it was of affecting people around us. Sure. You know, so... Luckily, I got shot to wake me up, so I was able to get away from my mother and see what I really wanted to do. I wanted to be a drug dealer. I wanted to be do this music thing. Mm -hmm. So fortunately, um, I got an opportunity in the music industry again. Okay, before, so I had my record deal. And my record deal, I learned in 1988 that every record deal doesn't always work out. You know, you're going to go, you know, when you when you first signed, I started my first record deal at sixteen. Mm -hmm. I knew right away this is what I wanted to do. I'm as do a rapper, as a rapper, right? My mom was like, "Boy, you, you know, she was happy for me, but not happy for me. Right. But she was more not happy for me because she wanted me to either be a cop or you know, I, I took all the cop tests and." You know, I was clean cut, and I, you know, I didn't never had no jail record. I didn't get into trouble. Right, you're super clean. You're super a clean. good boy. I'm a, I'm a cop's kid. Yeah. You know what I'm saying I'm squeaky, a little, little infractions. Mom's a cop. Get me out of this. Right. But now I cross over to something serious. You know, doing selling something really serious, and you know, I really hurt her feelings with that. And you know, I just patched it up with her like about t just ten years ago. You know, mm -hmm. like we wouldn't talk for a long time about that. And, yeah, that's heavy. You know, she was really upset with me with that, and you know. She forgave me for that, and um, you know now we got a great relationship. But um, that taught me hustle, mm -hmm. and the reason why I had to tell you about that is not to be proud of, but during the seventies and the eighties and the nineties, it was such a hard strain in the black community for a young men to actually make it out. Mm -hmm. um, 
I was able to diversify my portfolio, you would say, and apply that hustle to the music game. And I've traveled the world, been to every country. I've been, you know, ate the best foods. I've had the best cars. I've beautiful family, children mm-hmm. from hip-hop, you know, and um, or having a hip-hop perspective on things. And um, now, you know, we fast forward. Um, you know, that record deal that I had didn't work out. Right. I say, oh man, what am I gonna do? Can't sell drugs, can't sell music, I can't do anything. But there was a God always gave me a a light in the whole situation. I said, what the the fuck? I actually got my own record deal. I literally got my. I was a better negotiator than I was a rapper. So now. Well, I don't know. I I haven't even heard you rap yet. Oh, we we, we'll get into that. Because I want to. I definitely want to hear you rap. <laughs> so we have this. Check it out. We have we have real quick. I'm um. So we have the rap thing going, and then um, I have my first record deal go south. So I'm shopping. I'm shopping my record deal from his first rap. I'm like, I got my first rap rap deal. This is easy. Let me go get another record deal. You know what I'm saying? Because if the first one happened so easy, I thought the second one's just gonna be even easier. Hello. Hello. I didn't get one in 10 years. Oh, snap. So I didn't get another record deal from 1988 to 1998. But in between 1988 and 1998, I learned, I got such an ill, I had incredible um, network of people and known everybody just shopping. Sure. But halfway in, shopping, I already knew that, oh, that wasn't what it was. It wasn't me. I wasn't shopping. So... I see another artist that needed deals when it was just like, yo, I was like, oh, I know homeboy. That's my man. I could call him right now. I could right. call this guy. So I knew all the A&Rs. And I just said, you know what? Um, oh, no. I got myself another record deal, 1998. Craig Kalman, Atlantic Records. Walked up to him one day, said, Craig, there's an A&R that wanted to sign me in your company, which was true. His name was Paris Davis. But Paris went to go do something else, another record or something. So I bumped into Craig Kalman, head of CEO now of Atlantic Records still. Did you have to give him like a, a demo tape or yeah. anything? This is facts. Yeah. I got signed with no music. What? Yeah. Sick. My lawyer was Terry Baker. My uh-huh. A&R was Paris Davis and Craig Kalman. But Craig see me around the office a lot. You know, you know, he's like, this guy got to be it. You know, <laughs> he has to be it. <laughs> and my A&R wants to sign him. So it wasn't much money for Craig. You know, he gave me about a hundred grand. But I was on and popping, and um, I sat on Atlantic Records for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So now I'm, I went from an independent to a major to find out as a rapper, this is what goes on. Bills is coming, so I have children, shit is real. How do I pay the bills? So now I'm able to take other artists and take them. And start developing that. And start developing my labels because I knew where to go because I've been shopping my whole self. Sure. But I was so cool and fly and swaggy that I would Which always you still are. Hey, hey, hey! <laughs> I'm, you know, I, I I get to still no. Go ahead. I still get to um. I still get to um. Be that guy. You know, I could call these executives and say, "Yo, listen, I have an artist. Would you like to see him?" Mm-hmm. But I was I, I was so savvy enough to still get the meeting. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Whether they be like, "Yo, you my man," but um, it's not what we're looking for, man. But come by whenever you want to. I said, "Like, oh, yeah, right. cool, cool." And then one day I was like, what? And they were like, yeah, bring that guy in. You got, you know him? You bring him in, bring him in. 
And um, one of the first deals that I indirectly did was Biggie Smalls' label um, with a guy by the name of Rich Christina at Atlantic Records, you know, because Biggie and him was from my hood. And um, I played a record for him called Think Big with Lord Tariq and Biggie Smalls on it. And he was like, I like that record. I like that record. Biggie was already doing his thing with Puffy and all those guys right. and everything. But Atlantic's interest in Biggie's label, I kind of campaigned for Biggie because I was such a big, big fan of his. And he kind of gave me a little A&R duties at Atlantic at the time because mm -hmm. I was tired of being like this rapper waiting there. So I was like, how can I get money? So I set up a meeting with Lord Tariq, with um, Rich Christina. I wind up doing some other stuff. Next thing you know, Biggie and them got a label up there. But I remember playing those records. But um, fast forward, I started getting these little A&R jobs for different labels, started traveling and started to do things where I was making money and able to pay my bills as an A&R, putting artists with labels, labels putting up money, traveling and all of that. So I started to learn that aspect of the game. Mm -hmm. But I had that impeccable, I had impeccable connection my black book was crazy i could call anybody from the fashion fashion was on seventh avenue for everyone from carl Kanai to S willie esco to fubu to all of these guys mm -hmm. to to the music side to the russell simmonses to the irv Gotti's, to the um to the to the cash monies of the worlds and that was just in mid 90s yeah so then i was like you know what man you know new york is getting dry i'm taking my game to la los angeles no I got an A&R gig to run over to L.A. one time, so I run out to L.A., and I said, oh, shit. I looked around. I was in the valley. I was looking at the palm, palm trees. trees. I <laughs> said, yo, I'll be right beach. back. <laughs> I'll be right back. I went home, told everybody to go fuck themselves, and um, I took my hustle to L.A., and I started over from scratch. You can't tell everybody to fuck themselves because you need a little bit of that. Nah, back to let me LA. tell you why. New York, I'm a real New Yorker. Yeah. I could say fuck you. Hey, fuck you. Listen, I, I am a real New Yorker. <laughs> you want New York, keep it. Okay, 10 inches of snow, cops shooting motherfuckers, keep it. Yeah. Hey, fuck so it. I'm, I'm out. I'm out. And everyone in New York, I got the impeccable respect in New York from Brooklyn to Queens, everything, but they know me. All my dudes know me. My dudes be like, yeah, Omar, I'm glad Omar moved to LA. Yeah. Ice is out there. That's what he's doing now. And so that's how you got that little bit of laid-back style that you got now. Oh, yeah. You're so probably I'm, this uptight New Yorker. Yeah. Freaking packing, walking right. on the streets. Mm. Fuck you, huh? Right. And then freaking come out to L.A. And mm. it's just like, oh, palm trees and right. sunshine and hot little blondies. Mm. Like this one right here next yeah. to you. Yeah, you know. Right I know that's we, where you we, met her. Yeah, we met in L.A. and <laughs> fell, fell deeply, deeply in love. Had a beautiful son. But, you know, yeah, L.A., the palm trees, the women, and the weed. It was, it was a palm trees, women in the weed, like my man Biggie Small says. I'm going back, back to Cali. So I get to Cali. I'll say, I'm coming back. Yeah, boom, I get there. Before I get there, they kill Biggie. <sighs> and they kill Tupac. This is while I'm hanging out in L.A. They, I'm, I'm there both times when they kill Biggie and they kill Tupac. That sucks. So I'm out there while this time happened. I'm like, am I supposed to live here? But it was still... It was, still, it, was, it was still <laughs> a lot better than New York City to me, right? you know, at the time, because, you know... Um, Where did you move to when you moved to L.A.? 
I moved straight into the heart of it. I moved right yeah. into Burbank. Okay. I lived right down the streets from the studios. I was trying to yeah, penetrate yeah. the studios already. You didn't try to move into Compton and freaking shit like that. Dog, I learned early, there's nothing past Pico that you need to be, you, you, there's nothing down. I'm here to do shoot movies. I'm not we here to shoot. Knuckles on I'm not one. here to shoot at nobody <laughs> and love everybody. In right. I've been to Compton. I've been everybody. I got friends everywhere. But, um, you know, if you, if, if, if you ain't, if you're not there to do movies, there's no way, you don't need to go to past Pico if you're not there to do movies. Right. I'm there to do movies. So movies, I started music. to I started to act. Yeah. Because there's really no A and R scene in there was no A and R scene in, in LA signing bands. And I could totally understand the corporate structure of 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 um the music business. So when I came to LA I kinda knew like it was a lot of promotion and all of this stuff going on. The only thing it was doing was films. Right. So I started to act and go on auditions. you got the look. You're a good-looking dude, dude. Hey, let's give that up for Omar. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what we did was... Well, this guy's clapping over here because yeah. he's bald just yeah. like you. He's yeah. like, oh, yeah, we look like twins. We're bald. I'm the whiter version of you. Sack but. of the ball heads. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so when I got to L.A., um, I started doing extra work. $150 a day. I was in the Screen Actors Guild already. Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you. I'm in the Screen Actors Guild, Writers Guild, and the Directors Guild. Nice. Got in the Screen Actors Got Guild. Got it all covered. Got it all covered. Got in the Screen Actors Guild. Is in New York right before I left. And I was like, I got to step up the acting game, go to Hollywood with the, screen, the SCAG card, you know? So I get out there. SCAG or SAG? SAG, C-A-G. <laughs> it's this uh, mojitos. What is this we drinking, baby? Mai Tai. Welcome to Hawaii. SAG. I'm grinding on some pineapple now. Yeah, man, good, Hold on, guys. It's pineapple time on. Dude, this stuff is so juicy and mm -hmm. sweet. They don't have this in L.A. and New York. We don't got none of this. Mm. So to make a long story short, I do this. Um, I make it happen. Start getting Starship Troopers to show Martin, Baywatch, all these shows. I'm on there doing extra work and feature work and started getting little roles on shows and Moesha and all that. I started getting better apartments and stuff, and I started to. And then I started, I started to see a lot of actors and stuff, and people coming to LA that needed representation from a real hip hop perspective. So I zeroed in, and I found I found a niche, and I started to create a bridge between young urban kids in Hollywood and I started making my money whether I'm putting them in films whether we're doing soundtracks whether I'm putting music in films whether I'm helping producers while I'm doing it all that's how I was able to make my money this guy right here is trying to get us jammed up how gonna, much money did you make? Um, I made my first million dollars at um, 27 yeah. Lucky you. Yeah. What do? What was the first thing you bought? Did you buy like a freaking <laughs> sick ass Denali? We bought cars. Me, my man. We got a million dollars from um, Michael Koch. He owned his company that was um, investing in Pokemon at the time. Pokemon. Pokemon's huge right now. Yeah. Yeah. Just, but we got. We was with Pokemon before. It was just the cars. It was number. They was they were selling gold soundtracks back then. So we get to this record company called Koch Records, uh -huh. and they got Pokemon on the walls, and we're like, 
We was we was already pumped. We was like, hell yeah, we staying here. We gonna get some of this Pokemon money because they selling a million records. <laughs> we they selling a million records to kids. We're like, we'll figure this shit out. Just give us a check. So uh, the fun me fucking Squirtle. Yeah. So we we just got a we just we just got a we just got an offer. Me and my man Federal Star. We got an offer from Master P. Uh huh. God bless Master P. That's my man. And we was excited because he gave us a deal. But we was looking in a contract. There was no advance. Right. So we was like looking, we was like looking for the money. There was no money in there. So we was like, damn. Then I was like, we got to. Pikachu has all the money. P has all the money. <laughs> Shout out to Master P. So then we go to Priority Records. But this is on the West Coast. We're trying, trying to get a record deal while we out there doing movies and shit. We wasn't struggling for money, but we wanted more. So we go to Priority Records, Brian Turner, Garnett March. They offer us 30000 Mm-hmm. We're like, fuck yeah, we about to take this little 30,000. We was pumped up. We was like, yeah, at least we got some pumped up. So then I get a call from New York from a guy, one of my connects that I work with, executives. His name is Alan Grumblad. He calls me, Omar, I wanna get I wanna get with you and your boys. Come to New York City. I got a bag for you. Bag of money. So we fly out there, saw Pokemon on the walls. We say, how much you gonna give us? So he writes on a piece of paper and he slides it over to me like this, like some mafia. Just like shit. that shit you see on on the movies and shit. So I looked at the number. I was like, oh shit! It was it was way high six. It was mid six figures. Uh huh. So my savviness told me not to just get so crazy about it, right? Yeah, that was the but first offer. It was you the first offer. That. So we went from thirty thousand to over half a million. Right. We're supposed to shut up and take the deal right there, period, right? But some told me Go to ask it. for more. Yeah. I said, yo, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And they needed rap to yeah. diversify their new their new music interests because they went from Pokemon to hip-hop. Right. And I was able, I was one of those executives that actually introduced Michael Koch to hip-hop. He wound up selling his country, his company for $100 million. Four hundred million to E One Entertainment One. I still do business with today, but back then it gave me my guy a million dollars. So you know, I take I take. So a, you you went from five hundred to a million. Yeah, just doubled it. We doubled just it. A lot of two videos for one hundred fifty each. That was two hundred thousand. That was three hundred thousand. Hundred fifty each. That was three hundred thousand. Then they was gonna give us marketing money, per diems, and um. Unlimited flights everywhere, so it wound up being like 1.5. So thank you to Michael Koch. How flew, old were you? I was 27. Jeez. I thought I was getting old. I was getting I was getting nervous, and you know my kids were starting to get a little bigger at the time. I was like, oh my god, what am I do? 27 and shit. Like, oh my god. You're getting out of the. I still I, I have midlife crisis every 10 years. I learned now to chill out. You know what I mean, like. I have to learn, and I trust God more now. I get a midlife crisis when I was 37, when I was 27. Now I'm glad I'm 44. You know what I mean? It's a weird thing. You got one coming in three years, brother. I don't. I'm good. I'm Gucci sure? right now. I had it. I'm you black. Said you had one. I'm black. I, I, I'm past, oh, mid, so I'm I'm past midlife. That's excuse. I'm what past, is my excuse then? No, white dudes, <laughs> white dudes have their midlife crisis in their 50s and 60s and shit. Dude, I'm turning 50 Black next dude, month. Yeah, you, yeah you're going to get a, your yellow Corvette next month. <laughs> I went and bought a, I had a yellow Corvette when I was in my 20s. Man, Actually, it was 10. Man, I went and bought a Range Rover overpriced $1,700 a month when I was like 27, 28. <laughs> like, it was ridiculous. And a condo in Beverly Hills it was just like 
that was my midlife crisis. I, sh- I should have chilled the fuck out. I'm just trying to back you up from the mic. No, I totally get it. You know, yeah. from tie. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, real quick, um, this is part one of the podcast. Um, so I'm in Beverly Hills. We brokering deals. So now, so so now I get this money from New York. I moved to L.A. Now New York is calling to give me money. I just right. moved so from New York. You just got one point five from L.A. No, New York living is from, living from living in L.A. I got the money from New York. Oh, oh, that's okay. to tell you about the savvy. Pikachu money came from New York. Right, just okay. after I left, thinking yeah. that it was no money for me. Right, right. I'm like, fuck New York. I'm out of there, and New York calls me. We get the money. So that was a good thing. Still got my house out there. My mother got the house out there still. We rented, she's renting out the people, and we out there, so it was good. We still got the crib out there. Property value through the roof because we got the property right next to the uh, Barclays Center in Brooklyn. So mm-hmm. that's cool. So it worked out. I was going back and forth to L.A. These, these executives is looking at me like, where the fuck is he getting this money from? Because I'm coming to the meetings just fly as fuck. And, you know, the young, the young executives my size, we jetting through it, all types of shit. Would I have been your friend back then? Would you have looked at me and said, Dog, yes. Bruh. Let me tell you I why. I hang out with this guy. No, let me tell you something. I learned early to surround myself with cool white dudes. Let's give it up for the cool white dudes. <laughs> I'll give a big one there. The guy who gave me one of my biggest deals, I was like... All right, so now, so now, my first LA deal comes from a cool white dude. Yeah. Okay. It's cool white dude. Now I'm going through a divorce. You know. Um, no, no. I which c- sucked, dude. Which sucked. It dude, was cool. I don't no, no. Care who it, you are, it, it you was, it, run it, through it the was, it was, right it was horrific at the time. I was a young man. I was like, oh my god, oh my god. Right. right. I, I, I didn't make my million yet. I've gone through two already. Which was good. I didn't make my million yet. It was. It was like. God cleaned my plate because I was about to make all this bread. Right. Okay. So, because literally, eight weeks after my divorce, I get my first hundred grand ever. Like, you know what I'm saying? I didn't get the million, but a hundred grand. It was like nice. And it came from a guy, Michael Eisner's son, Eric Eisner. Now, if you know anything about Michael Eisner, he was the CEO of Disney. Okay. So tell me about that. Brother come from Brooklyn. He's running with Michael Eisner's son. Give it up for me. I'm sorry. Just got to give that one last up for me. Yeah, yeah. Yes, Celia. So me and him, we going through a, a cool relationship like me and you. We just get up. We start clicking right away. Right. He smokes bud. I smoke bud. Um, the internet startup companies in 99 and 2000 that crashed. He had one of the startups that crashed, but we had ran through like 12 million together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, I'm, I get 100 grand. I get a hundred grand. I get to shoot the show. I'm one of the first people ever. I am probably the first person to have any type of hip hop content on the internet because in 2000 they was just experimenting with this thing called the internet, mm-hmm. and I had a show on there called The O Show, which was on Eric Eisner's um, engine, which was called Romp.com back then. Gotcha. But everything was working off the modem, so. Um, the content couldn't, it, it, it was, it was, it was, you know, jiggy, jiggy, jiggy. So basically he ran through $12 million that he uh, raised and then, um, he had to diversify his portfolio and I diversified my portfolio. I was happy. He's still my friend. His name is Eric Eisner. I love you, brother. He actually bailed me out of jail one time. Nice. That's it's my brother. Friend. Later on, it was some bullshit from Aspen, bailed me out. True friend. But anyway. Um, 
Yeah, so Eric gives me 100 G's. I take this 100 G's. Um, I flip it. Now I have money, and I'm chilling, and I'm able to work comfortably. I have 300 G's at the time because I turned that into, like, you know, so I have, like, 300 G's. I'm chilling. I'm eating sushi every day. I'm wilding out. I'm just, just, just living life Hollywood-style right. young black brother. Then 2005 comes, and 2006-ish, the economy crashed. 2008. No, for us it was came early because little oh, shit started happening on a creative side. Oh my! my on, a, was, on a creative side, really, it was 2009, the beginning of t 2009. Mm -hmm. I finished my job. I saw the the economy was crashing in 2008 mm -hmm. September, and my it probably didn't hit the my main, life. It probably, didn't, it, probably, you know, it, probably didn't, it probably didn't hit here, yeah. but it hit in America, the, the 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 big land like um, in America like 05, right? I'm talking about no one was spending nothing. Like I'm going right. to my guys who spend money, guys wow. getting millions of dollars, a hundred thousand, like. Like your own, you know, like, yo, no one's spending money. I'm like, yo, and I'm like running through my bread, and then I'm like, yo, what's up? Like they're like, and then there's the writers, there was a writers' strike in Hollywood. I remember that. Yeah. And everything in Hollywood shut down. So my consulting stuff, everything was just like shut down. And I was just like, holy shit! And luckily, you know, my girl saved me, and my mother had property everywhere. So, good investments wind up being there for us in the term time of storm. You know what I'm saying? In a bad time, you know. Yeah. And um, I had to wave. I had to. I had to. I had to. I had to. You know. You know. Way out the storm per se, until around 2000. Damn. Shit didn't get bit good for me until like 2009. Right. See, when it started getting bad for you, it was kind of it, it, it was bad for me too. But when I it started getting bad for me. It started turning around for you. Just started turning around, but um, see, my I, industry was building and designing golf courses. Oh. So that whole construction, that whole real estate, you know, everything about that was just going. <laughs> downhill you nobody even wanted to touch a luxury item and that right. was a golf course right right the houses is crashing so yeah. what, why do you want to give you money for a, a big ass resorts are shutting down right yeah yeah so before all of that man um and then then i got a i got a i got a chance to shoot an independent film and i was just like all right uh you know get my feet wet then i started out you know I, me and my girls having a kid so i was just like you know Shit just started getting crazy, and you know, um, it was hard. It was hard, but it was like I didn't quit because I could see a vision of what I so like. Yo, just stay busy, keep working, mm -hmm. and it's gonna turn around. You know what I'm saying? Just keep working, keep working. Yeah, you're a lot like me. We we reinvent ourselves. Exactly. You know. Mm -hmm. And, and there's nothing that's going to keep us down. Nothing. It doesn't matter what it is. Right. The world throws the freaking shittiest bombs at us. Right. We just keep fucking rolling, dude. Keep rolling. Keep rolling. You know, we find out what is going to work for us. Yeah. And then make that happen. Right. Fast forward right now. Um, I, I placed over 200 songs in television and film last year. Wow. Just Just music. On some of your favorite shows. Um, now your walls are decorated. Yeah, I got plaques, gold, platinum. albums, mm -hmm. platinum albums. Mm -hmm. 
you know, you you've sold what over forty million, forty million as, records as as a music producer. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Over forty million records, dude. Mm -hmm. That is freaking ridiculous. And it's so hard to sell records now, and so easy at the same time. Um, Especially now because everything is more digital. All digital. You know, you you're not seeing records come through. CDs never. Are almost never even selling because everything is is digital. You're working off of iTunes. You're working off of um, places like Spotify and Pandora, and nobody's going to buy Amazon, Amazon Google, everything. Yeah. I have uh, my own distribution company, film, television, music um, distribution. I am. Um, I can distribute to over 900 stores online. Wow. Um, I can give you um, over 52 countries. Uh -huh. I'm on every continent. Um, me and you're going to do a soundtrack together for the podcast. We're going to do some cool stuff. I'm going to get you a theme song, get you some fly stuff. You know, I, I got a really cool one right now from yeah. uh, one of my good buddies, man. I, give you an exit I, song. I can't wait for you to eat. I need an exit song. Get you an exit song. Yeah. I'll get you an exit song. And um, that's what we're doing now. We're just, um, you know... Independent is everything. Ownership is uh -huh. everything now. Um, we own our masters now. Um, uh, me and my friends from Onyx. I manage Onyx. And tell me about Onyx. Onyx doing world tours right now. You what, know what genre of music are they? Hip hop and rock. Um, they sold over. They sold over ten million records. Yeah. Uh, Sticky Fingers and Federal Stars. They did over one hundred and twenty movies together as actors. Uh -huh. So my guys are movie stars and and uh, record stars, music stars, and um, and that's why we stayed in Hollywood so long yeah. doing films and television. So I have our own companies now, merchandising, touring, um, films. Music distribution. Did you ever go on tour with these guys? Oh, yeah. I've been to Germany, Russia. I've been... It's, it's so funny. I got a lot of Russian guys in my neighborhood that's never been to Russia. What? <laughs> I've been to Russia. I've been to Russia. I've been to Russia more than ever. I, I love it. You know, I haven't been yet in New Chicks Zealand. so freaking hot. hot. Yeah, you oh, know me. Yeah. I like them white and, and blonde. Big boobs, too. I don't know if it's just bread. I like them white and blonde. <laughs> varka, varka. That's all they say varka, to you. Varka, varka. varka. And, I and, think she might be giving us another vodka right yeah, now. Yeah, exactly. Blonde, more vodka. <laughs> yeah. And I, 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 I had a great time there, and they treat us so well there. And, yeah. you know, it's so funny how... Your phone's blown up. Jay-Z's calling you right now. You know, everybody, everybody... Tell Jay-Z I said, what's up? All right, well, yo, Jay, <laughs> we're coming through to come see you, bring you on the podcast, Jay. <laughs> yeah, so to make a long story short, um, we're... we're, we're Oh, thank you, darling. She well, brought me another Mai Tai. Yeah, see, I told you, you predicted it. <laughs> and um, it was so crazy because now we're making, you know. I'll we, give you the pineapple. Thank you, brother. I know you're loving that. Yeah. We own our masters. We own everything. And we're not selling as many records as we used to, but we're making more money. Yeah. That's the thing. Ownership, you make more money. You know, one thing we haven't even talked about is how did you get your name, Iceman? You know, I, um, I know all the rappers. They all have their killer names. Um, how did you get yours, dude? Because it's a pretty cool name, and it's pretty, you're a one of a kind. I'm, gonna I'm the you, Ice Man. I'm going to bug you out. Pineapple's break. But anyway. Um, Pineapple's mean, ain't it? Yeah. Um, yeah um, I got my name to it. First of all, my favorite comic is the X-Men. Uh-huh. 
And Iceman is my favorite character. Okay. In the world, just always was. Is but, he kind of um, like the, I, I don't know the Iceman. Is he kind of like the Silver Surfer? He looks like the Silver Surfer, but he's made out of ice. Uh huh. And he's cold, and he freezes up shit, and he's cold, you know? Dude, I don't see you as being cold. But his name is Bobby Trick. He has two sides. You're, like, totally warm and loving, bro. Yeah, listen, but there's a cold side of me when it comes to negotiation. (laughs) Okay. So... That's why they, that's why they call me. You're going to be my new manager and negotiate for I manage everybody. <laughs> we'll get you a deal. We'll get you a deal. You're in one country. You're going to get you in a 50 countries. That's there how Iceman go. does it. You there know? we go. But I, 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 they got my, you know, my friends, we call ourselves the X-Men. And um, I'm Iceman. And um, basically, I do it. I, I'm going to give you a perfect example. In Colorado Boulevard, and um, Colorado Street, in uh, Los Angeles is where Lionsgate is. Right. And there's a building with Lionsgate, um, EMI, MTV, Fremantle. There's all in one building. There was a day I had a deal on every floor. Really? Yeah, EMI Publishing, Fremantle Media, Lionsgate. You know, that's just, you know, that's just how how cold I was, you know what I mean? And I'm still cold because... Um, you walk from each floor, I'm st- just freaking like, let's... I come to people and people I own this they're like, shit. They're like hey what's, do it. what's up they're like what's going what you guys into let's Your figure it out so strong everybody wants a piece of you exactly so what happens I'll set up a meeting and by the time I'm gonna go to a meeting I'm just thinking in my head when I'm pitching to this person uh-huh and then on my way to these meetings I'm pitching hey this is what we're pitching they're like we love it so I would know how to get development deals and I might, you know, some companies put some of my stuff out. Some people just gave me money and developed stuff with me. Some people, you know, gave me a lot of money. And we just, you know, publishing is a, a, a marriage. You give half your publishing up for a check and, you know, they collect for you. And, you know, but uh, I got publishing on a lot of other people's records and I don't even write. I got pu- I got publishing and writers on people's productions and I don't do no beats. Yeah. I just strictly executive produce. That's my calling. Who are some of the top stars that you've worked with? I work with uh, Mariah Carey. I've worked with... Is she really super hot in person? Mariah Carey's beautiful. Um, yeah. Beautiful voice. Beautiful woman. She uh, treated me so nicely, invited me over to her house. She invited me on tour. Um, you know, I managed... Her, uh, her, her um, best friend Trey Lorenz, uh-huh. and she helped executive produce his first album with me, and uh, she invited me on tour, and we was able to go on tour with her and perform one of his single from his album. So that worked out nice, and she's so sweet. Right, Jay Z. Jay Z. Um, I got to work with Jay Z in my film, American Rap Stars, uh-huh. which is the longest playing hip-hop documentary in American history, American Rap Stars. I got Jay-Z, Run DMC. And that was on Showtime, wasn't on it? On Showtime, yeah. I got a great deal in Showtime. It ran for like eight years. Eight years. Um, it was funny because the program director at Showtime and my uh, video sales guy at the time at, at, um, at um, what's the name of the company that put out um, First Look Pictures. Hey, First Look, they gave me my first chance. They, um, the sales guy was in bed, you know, with this guy because they went to school together and I was able to get an incredible deal, licensing deal with Showtime. 
people from all over the world wind up seeing my show every day, all day, every night, and they thought it was a show. Did you get royalties out of all oh, that? Oh, yeah. I made a million dollars off that. Let's clap for that. <laughs> Big one. Made a million dollars off that. Which which million that, dollars that bought? That guy's real rich, too, right there. <laughs> well, he's in the, the greatest uh, light pink shorts and yeah. baby blue top. Right. One of my favorite colors. Right. Um, I had those colors on. I had those colors on yesterday. Well, you know they're barbecuing at the grill, and I'm smelling all this killer food. I'm hoping that they're going to donate a little bit to us, so we can enjoy it while we're having this podcast. I, yes. So. I don't know. I don't if know. not, we'll order some. But you know, the thing I have to tell you, brother. Yeah. So now we're doing all these things. Um, you worked with Eminem, right? Oh yeah, my artist Sticky Fingers. Eminem has said on record that that's his favorite rapper of all time, Sticky Fingers. Really? I don't know if it's still rapper to his days, but um, rapper favorite favorite rapper to this day. But uh, back then, that's what he was talking. Now, being that you're from New York and everything, were you there in the days when Eminem was growing up, or he's from Detroit? He's from Detroit. Totally different. I totally got with Eminem when um, my partner Sticky Fingers was signing Universal. And Eminem and him had a great relationship. And then I signed one of his friends by the name of Bazaar uh -huh. to his first record deal. And um, I was able to go out to Detroit, hang out with Eminem at his uh, compound, and got to hang out with him and build with him. And um, I did the Bazaar deal. And um, I wind up getting my plaque for uh, Sticky Fingers versus on um, Remember Me. Uh huh. On uh, uh, the Shady album, and um, what about the Beastie Boys? The Beastie Boys, um, it's funny. A guy by the name of Bill Strauss, the executive producer of the NWA movie, well, not the NWA, but the Straight Outta Compton movie, but he used uh -huh. to call it the NWA movie. His name is Bill Strauss, and Bill Strauss, um, it's crazy. He was the one that helped me with um, the Karen Gravano movie. Bill Strauss wind up becoming executive producer of Straight Outta Compton. Wow. And I wind up bumping into him recently, and uh, he's like, Omar, let's do the um, Beastie Boys movie. That's all right. The, the outdoor music. Now I was just trying to tell her because she, she, was around, she was around around that time, and, and it was like, you know, we all do films and do certain things, and he wind up in the last few years executive producing Straight Outta Compton. And um, now, what were your thoughts on the Beastie Boys back in the day? You know, they came from New York. I mean, these are a bunch of white boys that I just got out there. I wasn't and just really, I wasn't, I wasn't really into it. Do gotta, I'm not gonna be honest. It was okay. Yeah, I wasn't really into it. Um, I thought third base was better because they was hip hop. Um, I thought they were kind of hip hop. I thought rock. That they were rock. I thought the sound was bigger, but I thought the way they was coming across was they. Were, I thought there was actually making fun of hip-hop at the time really? at the time until yeah. i got deeper into what they was trying to do and learning who they were and mike d and that rock and those guys and who they were but when i first you know i was with hip-hop since it was graffiti one of my friends manages mikey d yeah and uh rest in peace to um your man and uh who had passed away so you know yeah yeah yeah, so I really, I really liked the Beastie Boys after I learned what they was doing. But when I seen the way they was moving in their videos, I thought it was a gimmick at the time. You right. know, you got an I'm 44, so when I saw it, I was like, whoa. You know, third base. You know, he had a little haircut, high top, 
fade. He was doing the moves and the steps, you know. Right. So it was. They mo- just wanted to be like you guys. Exactly. Oh, hey, no comment. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, I was, um, was that Pat Boone? What's that old school singer, Pat Boone? Pat Boone. That's his name, right? <laughs> yeah. He was talking about how he used to do little Richie songs and uh, all these songs oh, and stuff God, because Pat of the, the black entertainers couldn't get their stuff to cross over. So he would do the songs for him, him right. and Elvis and these guys. No way. Yeah. But the black people thought they were stealing them, but they weren't. They were actually crossing the records over. Yeah. During a hostile time. So Dude, there's been so many hostile times. There's a hostile time right now. Oh God. You know what's going on in America right that's now. Why I, that's with, why I'm here. You know, um shootings. all these shootings. Oh, Black my. Lives Matter. Oh my God. Um there's there's so much shit going on right now in every single city. Chicago. The amount of murders that are going on right now is out um, of freaking control. I'm just gonna say like this. Um I had to switch my tone. Some people might not like this right now, what I'm going to say, but um, I'm a capitalist right now. Okay. Um, I'm just going to get my family out of danger zone, and I'm going to work on my money. Yeah. Because you can't make change without, 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 well, yeah. without money. L.A. is a short flight from here. You know, we see a plane flying in right now. Yeah. Dude, it's only five hours. This is really L.A. is on fire, literally. Yeah. The fires, you know, the water shortage. Big companies are moving out because of the taxes. If you're not making movies and stuff, what are you doing in L.A.? That's it. That's it. And um, you can't surf over there anymore. All yeah. the surf breaks are. You would know about this. Topanga. Have you ever surfed Topanga. in Topanga? I've surfed Topanga. Hey, dude. <laughs> hey, bro. Yeah, man. And how do I know? <laughs> All my white dudes, they know, they love me. Topanga my, sucks. My um, I'm going to tell you. Uh, Topanga you know, sucks. You know what he told me about Topanga? You know about Topanga? Jackie's nephew, Sean, brought me there. Sean Stewart. Rod Stewart's son. Which is a good friend of mine. Yes. And that's how you and Jackie actually met. Yes. Was at Rod Stewart's Christmas party. At, at at his house at 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 um Sean Sean Stewart Sean he was Stewart's married mom. to Rachel Hunter at, Ra- the, yeah. at the time which right. is Jackie's sister right yeah. and and you know Christmas dinners and hanging out with them and you know and were you the only black guy there I'm always the only black guy <laughs> the only black guy and that's been my blessing um, I've been at the right time at the right time of few times brother like when I got off at the airport and met you right I've been okay every day since I've met well, you well I looked at you dude you, you were all blinged out you had your necklace on you got oh. your freaking big old giant two carat freaking diamond earrings in your ears and uh, your Rolex on and uh, I knew oh man but I looked at you I, and I was I, like I toned this, down. Guy's, this guy's fucking cool man he's freaking cool and I saw you, and I was like, that's my brother right there. I already know God, because God sent people in my way. And I was like, you know what? That's my brother right there. And I know that, you know, having property here with my girl and my son, I'm that excited. I'm going to need friends. I'm, I'm going to need a friend out here, because well, I'm, I'm going to be fr- out here. I'm your friend anyway. But course, I'm brother. super excited that you're actually moving here. Yeah. Because, dude, we get to hang out all the time. I get to teach I your black be, ass how to surf. And I'm going to teach you. <laughs> what can I teach you out here? Nothing. How to rap? Rap. Okay, cool. My son's cool. a rapper, dude. I don't even know how to rap. A hip 
hop, hibbity the hibbity hip hip, a hobby you don't stop a rock. Instead of bang bang boogity up, jump the boogie to the rhythm of the boogie to be. Ow. That's the old school stuff. So we wrap this up for this is part one. How, how much time we put in? Oh my god, it's only an hour and fifteen, but we can go on for like ten hours, bro. Ten hours. All right, but it's getting windy. How, how's the wind doing? The wind's freaking doing fine. Oh, we're doing all right. Yeah. I need to smoke. Um, can we take this down to you my want house? To take a big old blunt. Can we take this to the house? Or we got us. You can't stop. No, you know what? We'll just wrap it up. Wrap right it up. We do part two. But we'll we'll do part two back in November. When, yeah. Or in L.A. Oh, maybe we could do part two tomorrow night. We we can do part two tomorrow night. Actually, yeah. I like that. Yeah, let's do that. So you have two sto- two two joints. I like that. Uh, yeah, I like and that. You're you're gonna go back and smoke that big old vanilla blunt. Yeah, I'm gonna go smoke right now. And uh, you know Snoop Dogg, by the way. Snoop Dogg is in my movie American Rap Stars. I know Snoop very well. Oh, I'm sure you guys have smoked it. Snoop Dogg. I know. I don't Run, burn I know anymore. Run DMC. I know Chief Keef. I know the game. I know the dream chasers. Dude, I know. You are the game. Yes, and that's the right. the dream chasers are chasing you. Hey, hey. Shout out to Meek Mill and Nicki Minaj. Shout out to the game. Shout out to everybody. Be peaceful, man. Let's everyone get along. Um, Nicki Minaj is hot. Can you yeah, she's hot. to her? Nah, she's married, man. And I got well, my girl. I'm not trying to hook up with her. You know, I'm oh, talking oh, about you, a podcast. Oh, we'll be, oh no. We're going to definitely bring Nicki on the show. We're going to bring her Meek Mill on the show. We're going to bring... The game on the show. We're going to bring everybody on the show and just everyone to get along with each other. You know what I mean? Yep. Well, you know, I'm the coolest guy on the we're, planet. Nah, those are, you know what? We're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to make peace on this show. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to change the world with this show. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. You know That's what I'm saying? That's what I'm saying. Let's change the world, brother. Let's Dude, get some I, sponsors. Let's get some money. I love money. you already. I love you too, brother. And I can't wait to keep this going and do many, many more with you. Many more, bro. So we're going to do part two tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, part two. I'm going to tell you about the due diligence, what it takes to make a million dollars. I love it. How to hold on to it. Because I, I have that's, that's the, key. the hard problem with me. It's easier to make it. It's harder to yeah. hold on to it. But I'm actually on my exit plan, so my next couple of million I'm holding on to. Right on. I love it. Ice. Yeah. You're the bomb. You're the bomb, too, brother. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, it does. I'll see you tomorrow night for part two. Part two. Yes, man. Peace out. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Thanks a lot, everybody. Make sure you guys uh, watch this show and uh, or listen to the show. You can contact Iceman at um, Iceman underscore IMMG. That's on um, Instagram. And Iceman IMMG on Twitter. And... um, Come holla at me, man. See, come see what the lifestyle's about. That's what I'm talking about. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Ice. Thank and you, until next time, ahuya. Ahuya. Thanks, Ice, for being on the show. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Thanks to all my sponsors for making this happen, such as Maverick Sport Fishing in Kona. Call Captain Trevor Child at 808 They specialize in half-day charters, three-quarter-day charters, full-day charters, overnight charters with top-of-the-line gear in the best waters to fish in the world. Um, You can also find them at mavericksportfishingkona.com. Hurley, Hurley Clothing, the home of the Phantom Board Shorts and all the top pros in the surfing world. Yes, that is. That's Hurley Clothing. My friend Bob owns a company. He's one of the most awesome guys on the planet. I get to spend 
a couple of weeks with him next month over in Fiji, and I'm super, super excited. Go check him out at Hurley.com and uh, see what they have to offer. Original Nutritionals. These guys aren't your regular meathead supplement brand. It's just pure basic and essential food and supplements to support what they call a clean athlete lifestyle. My buddy Luggan founded the company with a food-first approach, working with average men and women like you and I to the best action sports stars and team sport athletes in the world. These guys know how to do it right. Head over to OriginalNutritionals.com. Grab what you need for listening. All you need to do is enter promo code DOZENOSE at checkout and get 15% off. That's 15% off with Doze Nose promo code. Love it. Kona Boys, you guys know I'm a big fan of the Big Island and the water. I love being in the water. I'm dying right now. We haven't had any waves. But if you're ever in Kona, make sure you go to Kona Boys. They should be your first stop. No ifs, ands, or buts. They've been serving up gear for island life and aloha since 1996. They're the one-stop shop for Ocean Fun. They operate a legit selection of local-style activities, including historical va'a rides, paddleboard tours, and lessons. So if you need to rent any bikes, boards, boogies, or other beach goodies, go to Kona Boys. Check them out on their website, konaboys.com. See what else they have in there. And at checkout, 15% off with promo code DOZENOSE. That's 15% off again. Original Nutritionals and Kona Boys are offering 15% off at checkout. Or go into one of their stores down at the King Kamehameha Beach Hotel at the Beach Shack right there or down in Captain Cook and uh, go see them in there. Go see Frank and Brock. Tell them you heard it on Doze Nose. They'll hook you up 15% off. GoPro. I'm really, really excited about GoPro right now because they have just came out with the new Hero 5. And this thing, let me tell you people, is badass. I'm going to get my hands on one of these in the next couple of weeks when I get to L.A. And, yeah, I'm really, really excited. They don't have the case on them anymore. They're completely waterproof. They're voice activated. So you can say, GoPro, turn on. GoPro, turn off. Or switch modes or whatever it is that you want that GoPro to do. You can talk to it. It'll make it happen. The new touchscreen is even more badass. And they're about to come out with one of these sick drones that I really, really, really am hoping that they hook me up with so that we can fly it all around and do a podcast with a drone flying around us, checking us out. That'd be really, really sick. Um, So go check them out at GoPro.com. You can find them on all social media, such as YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And um, also Deuce Gym in Venice Beach. This is where I go when I'm in L.A., And everybody else who's everybody else who wants to be fit and healthy goes there. These guys know what they're doing, whether you just want a cardio workout or, you know, full strongman stuff. These guys will go in there and they'll take care of you. Go see Logan and Lindsay. They're the best. That's Deuce Gym in Venice Beach. Kona Coffee and Tea, where I get my morning crack on every single morning. Yep, they have the best coffee. They Grow it up on the slopes of Hualalai, bring it down, roasted to us every single morning for the freshest Kona coffee in town. So you can check them out also at KonaCoffeeAndTea.com. Oakley sunglasses. I just got the sickest sunglasses in the world. They have a whole new pelagic line. They have a deep water and a shallow water, so you can see all the fish that you're trying to catch if you're on the Maverick. 
sport fishing boat with Trevor. And, and uh, yeah, go check them out. Try these sunglasses on. They're, they're polarized. They're badass. They look so good on my face. It's a joke. I'm wearing the Too Faced right now, and I just love them. I love you guys, and thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And I look forward to seeing you guys all next week. And until then, uh, hooey ho. If you don't know, now you know